Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the 100 Mass Men series, where I talk to a bunch of guys about life, love, sex, and masculinity. And I'm your host, Miss Amanda Chen. I truly enjoyed the open and honest conversations I had this week, focusing a lot on self-improvement. And in doing that work, it includes admitting the shitty behavior you've been guilty of doing in the past. Masked man number 10 is the sorry man. He's putting in the work to move on from his toxic behaviors and striving to learn from the sins of his father. We talk about how insecurity can sabotage a relationship, the fear of being alone, and how much porn has contributed to how some men might mistreat women. One thing you gotta know is that this is the first time I've actually ever spoken to this guy, and he makes me reveal a historical fact that I've never shared before. I really hope you guys enjoy the show. Grew up in Toronto. I was a learner, and I'm very proud to say that. I went to um, a high school in Scarborough. Parents divorced when I was seven. In that custody battle, my father ended up winning. Interesting. Usually, most custody goes towards the woman, you know? Yeah. My mom went through some stuff during that, right? Like, my dad committed adultery. The rug was literally ripped from under her. Uh, she went on, she was in, she, she was working her way up in the banking world and she was on her, on her come up in the corporate ladder, if you will. And as soon as the sort of the divorce was finalized, she went into a, a year and a half of like clinical deep depression. And it, again, it's not till now in my adult life that I'm realizing the amount of BS that she endured. Mm -hmm. And now I'm trying to right that wrong by being the best version of myself. It's been, it's been interesting. I think this, uh, this whole lockdown has definitely helped me take stock of who I really am. And nice. Yeah. I think that's been a trend for everyone. Just finally having that time. Once you are confined to some kind of isolation, that, that truth or that, you know, self-awareness will come out. The accountability, right? I, I never, ever until just recently started taking accountability for my behaviors. And that is toxic in itself because you're always deflecting the failures, if you will, the quote unquote failures, whether it's breakups or, you know, uh, relationships coming to an end, whether it's intimate or friendships. And it was always the other person. Yeah. I think one of the main things that I see men are challenged with, uh, with the feminist movement is the fear of having to admit that they're guilty of criminal activity. And, you know, there's a difference between ignorance and indifference and the time back then, right? Like, no one was talking about consent. No one was talking about equal respect or equal rights in the same way that we're doing so now. It's not, it's not your fault directly, but you do have to admit some fault that you just kind of followed the status quo. Like, how did you feel about that? Or do you, do you associate so with I that? broke out late. Grade nine and 10, you're sort of divided by the sexes for class. And I remember a bunch of guys would just brag openly about the women that they accomplished. I had a unibrow and glasses. And <laughs> so I was like that's fine. It doesn't really fit me, but I would listen. And I'm kind of like, well, maybe they're boasting, maybe they're lying. Maybe it happened. I just didn't indulge. Okay. And it wasn't until grade 12, I broke my virginity. Her and I eventually broke up. And that's when, you know, the, the behaviors that I was sort of influenced by in grade nine and 10 came up, but I never once did something inappropriate. I always asked, was very cautious. Never once did I inappropriately touch somebody, especially when you're out and about. I saw it. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was anything non-consensual or criminal in that sense. Um, okay. Obviously, that's a, it's a big no-no. I had the one-two, uh, one-night stand here and there. What I've come to realize, though, is that when you have intercourse with somebody, you kind of take 
a part of that person, their energy. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to project all this positivity and this person, they've got a whole bunch of stuff going on internally, you kind of end up inheriting that indirectly, that energy. And so I've, since I broke up with my ex about a year ago, I haven't indulged in anything intimate with anybody. I've just taken this time to self-reflect. I journal a lot and I've had those moments where I'm like, oh man, like that's, that's gross. And kind of, I equate it to like the Alcoholics Anonymous program where one of the steps you you make a, a an amends list. I literally called up for those numbers that I still had or some way of contacting them, and I apologized. And that that has uh, that's helped me come to peace with my former self. And as I walk into my new self, it's it's a lot more clearing. Can you share an example of a tumultuous experience that you apologize for, and if any of them responded? Tumultuous in the sense of how the breakup would have happened, not like during the actual relationship. It was just a lot of things were said in the heat of the moment. And, you know, you end up losing your tongue and you say things kind of like that whole a drunken tongue reveals a sober mind, like just hurtful things in the moment that I was like, that's not who you are, dude. Like, get it together. So nothing like sexual or physical in that sense. It was more, I was hurt. My ego was hurt because this, this relationship is coming to an end. So I'm going to find a way to hurt you, which is super childish. So what did you say? I just mean stuff. Just stuff that was just like, well, that was stupid. She had aspirations of becoming a life coach. And I was like, well, you're not even a certified life coach. So who's going to buy into what you're doing? And I remember the look in her face and I was like, whoa, that hit different because here she was trying to rebuild her life. And here I am in my own little circle of whatever it is. And I'm projecting my insecurities onto this person. And that's ultimately what led to our breakup was my insecurities. I would ask some silly questions. Like she had a friend that was a chef and we were at an event and I was like, Hey, have you and this person ever, you know, had it, had sex? And she kind of looked at me and she was like, what? Yeah. The same face you just gave me was pretty much what I got too. And that was my insecurities getting the better of me. Okay. Did anyone ever reply to you after that apology? Uh, yeah, we, we had a conversation around her birthday. I wasn't expecting her to accept. I was like, we just had a simple conversation. I was like, look, there were some things that I've reflected on. And I just want to say, I'm sorry for how I behaved. And thank you for bringing it to light. And she kind of was like, well, what did you learn? Right. And I, and I expressed what I learned. And she was like, well, it sounds like you're making some progress. So that's good. Okay. Interesting. So I want to get into why do relationships not work for you? Because it sounds like you're doing all the right things or trying at least. Because of my insecurities, because I always got lost in being a a people pleaser as opposed to fulfilling my own checkboxes. Oh no, this person doesn't like this. Okay. I'm going to pivot my behavior to ensure that they like me. So that's definitely where, where it starts is me just trying to appease everybody. It's also because like, I remember when my parents first divorced, I thought it was my fault. And, you know, both of of them, both of them definitely tried to assure me that it wasn't whatever you're exposed to in your, in your younger life. Like it does have a way of suppressing Mm -hmm. as you grow up, but then it has ways of showing itself. So I definitely have like traumas from my parents' divorce that I'm, that I still haven't even like dealt with that spring up in like the strangest occurrences and that's, that sucks, but I mean, I'm, I'm aware of it now. And I think um, for me, like having conversations with 
my mom about certain things. Like we're, we've gotten closer because we're having like frank conversations. I'll, I'll ask her about a situation that would have occurred back when they were together. And, you know, she told me the other day, like I used to do modeling and she's like, yeah, I'd have to take you. And that was your father's opportunity to go and gallivant. And then I was like, oh snap, you're right. Like you always used to take me to baseball, skating. And I started going back to Rolodex and I was like, this dude was messed up. Like he was doing this for a, a hot minute. And what's even crazier too, and I don't think my mom knows this, I remember the exact night my mom confronted my dad. Like I was still up. I remember my dad's brother and his wife were in the room. And my mom was on her knees crying, begging my dad as he sat at the dining, like, dining room table eating. Like it was just, I was seven years old, bro. Like that was messed up. That somehow is imprinted on my, on my, in my brain. And I'm still kind of dealing with that trauma too. So I think why my relationships have failed is because of things that I've suppressed and they come up in the worst scenarios. And then I have to like, you know, deflect what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't want to take that. I don't want to, I don't want to feel that hurt. I don't want to, I don't want to feel pain. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, kind of silly, but it's what it was. If your mom was confronting him about cheating, why was she the one on her knees and why was she begging? Because he cheated on her. Mm-hmm. So she was like, she probably felt unworthy to, to my dad. Right. Cause he, he cheated on my mom and it was apparently it was going on for years. Right. So it was probably like, it was her, it was her tipping point for sure. It was her tipping point because, you know, she's, she's trying her best. She's, she's working, she's working her way up in the banking world. She's providing for her children. My sister was one. And I get angry with my dad from time to time and I'm trying my best to not hold it against him. So that's, where like I have to forgive without mm-hmm. the exception of expecting anything because that will eat at me for the rest of my life if I don't come to grips with what unfolded. But I think for her being down on her knees, begging, it was kind of, I can't speak to, to why, but I, I would have just imagined that at that time she just felt unworthy. And, you know, what was all these, what was all this facade? Like if you weren't happy, then why not just, talk to me like why do this behind my back like it was so bad too we would get phone calls on our house line um and it was the power of love by celine dion so whoever my dad was cheating on she would call and let that song play out for the duration of the cassette tape so when my mom hears that song it triggers an emotional response there's always there's also this other one uh please release me I can't hear that song either because my dad blasted that tune while the divorce was happening and they were in the same household. Wow. Yeah. It was messed up. So imagine, imagine now like going through your life, being raised by grandparents that are very old school, very traditional, and you're trying to figure out who you are. And then you think you're this person only to realize you're exactly like your father. Mm -hmm. And now you're like, I don't want to be like that because I don't want to have my children inherit that curse, that generational curse of a broken home. And Don't you think it's wild that even though the man did something wrong in this situation, the woman is still being punished and, and, and her self-worth is lowered? Yeah. And that's what's even crazier because it's been like a lifelong sentence 
I'm so fearful that she's going to die alone and not have found true love. And that's where like, as her son, I need to be that example of hope, true love, whatever it is. Like it's, and I take that and I'm like, I'm owning it right now, but it's, it's unfortunate that a man's F up now becomes the woman's lifelong sentence or burden. His friends knew and they never confronted my mother. And I look at them and I'm like, y'all are just like him. And, and like, I don't even go out of my way to stay in touch with half the side of my dad's family, to be honest. I do check in with my dad. He's recently remarried, which again, where's my mom in this equation, right? Like she's had to carry the burden of your mess up. She went on almost two years of depression. And then I see her build up where she's renting a room in a house and struggling to get an apartment. Like it was, she hasn't had a break, bro. And it's like, your life is peachy now because you've remarried and you've found God. But like, what about my mother, bro? You know what I mean? So there's a lot of animosity, as you can tell, probably my voice towards my father that I'm working on too. Because for the longest time, I did have um, kind of like a, a subtle resentment towards my mom, which is messed up. But that was due in large part to me not realizing that it was my father's behavior that brought me to where I currently am in my life. Everyone reacts differently to certain traumas, right? And sometimes you're just like, you just want to shake it out of them. It's like, how, why don't you have better self-worth? And it's like, you, you can't can't have resentment about that. Like, and you don't know what they're going through or how how they internalize it, right? And one of the things I'm I'm more cognizant of is when my mom and I are talking and something unfortunate happens, she'd always de facto to this like negative mental attitude and project like, well, we don't have any luck anyways. And I'm like, Damn. why do you say that? But that's part of her trauma that she probably didn't have the resources to actually work through. As you're growing up, you saw that happen. Is is Have you experienced cheating or did you cheat in your yeah. personal relationships? I did. And I felt like absolute trash. And then karma, being karma, came back a few years later and smacked me upside my head. So I've been on, the, I've been on either end. After my first from high school, I hooked up with uh, somebody else. Yeah, she she claimed to have taken me back, but like it wasn't the same after that. And then a few years after, was seeing somebody I thought was you know this could lead to something. Nah, <laughs> it ended up, you know, she ended up um, being attracted to somebody else. Karma, exactly, just smacked me upside my head. And you know, I took it, and I wasn't mad because I had no reason to be mad. I wasn't aware of the signs that, you know, she was sort of showing. She wanted to be challenged a little bit more. She wanted to have a bit more excitement and I wasn't fulfilling that. So naturally you're probably going to go find that somewhere else or someone else is going to come up unannounced to you and you're going to be attracted to that. Is that the reason why you think guys cheat? It's like they're, they're, they can't resolve something at home and like, they just want this other thing to make them feel better temporarily. Like what, what drive, what drove you to cheat? just thinking with the wrong head. But I, I think for most guys to, to cheat, it's just they're, they're not committed to themselves, not committed, obviously, to the relationship. And they clearly don't respect that other person. And it's not like, oh, I was drunk and all this other nonsense of excuses. Like, if you are committed to this person, you will not put yourself in a position to be persuaded or challenged. And if you are, you'll have the presence of mind to be like, I'm good. I have this person at home 
that I can't wait to get home to. In fact, thank you for reminding me. I'm going to go, I'm going to go now. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I, I think it's just men just don't respect themselves when they do that. How do guys choose the other woman? What's she got to be? Maybe, maybe I think it's dependent obviously on the, on the male's taste, that guy's taste. Uh, for me at that time, it was just, um, yeah, it was just the, the, the lust of this person um, and just wanting to just getting caught up in the moment. But I think for, for some guys, it could be, you know, in the heat of the moment, they found this person attractive and the worlds collided and fireworks happened. Or for some, it's not a fulfillment. So they think that they'll get this fulfillment in this one night stand by this other person, not realizing like you can't, you can't hide that forever. Like it's going to come out in some capacity. Cause like I said, you've inherited that person's energies. During like my youth, I guess I was only targeted by as the other woman. So no, no one ever wanted to date me proper. They just always had someone and they said, you seem like the perfect side girl as if there was like a resume that I needed to have. Why would you think, guys would always choose the same type of chick as the other woman. Jeez. Well, first of all, that sucks. Um, and I can understand why this podcast came to fruition now, which is brilliant. I don't know. I think it's just back to the whole like locker room type of mentality. Like, yeah, I have my main here, but I also have X, Y, and Z on the side when I get bored of number one. I don't know what it is about guys wanting multiple partners at any given time like that's 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 messy i mean there's there's polyamorous relationships but i think those are more communicative than normal ones right so you know there, there has to be some equal amount of respect but the way that guys would come up to me they would say very bluntly i have a wife at home or i have a girlfriend or like i am fully committed to somebody but i'd like to just do this one thing with you again, sort of back to men being raised on porn. It's kind of like, you know, the categories, how it's broken down. <laughs> okay. No offense, no offense. Yeah. It could be for them, like fulfilling that category in their premium Pornhub account or something like that. Like it could just be wanting to fulfill this one fantasy and they feel like they can come up to you and, and tell you that that's, oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry for that. That sucks. Yeah, it was insane. They would just be like, you look like you have a green bed. Like they, that's how they begin the statement. They would say, you look like you have a stripper's body. They would say like literally anything so that that's very clear where we're going to be. Like no one's going to fake um, potentially courting me to then be like, oh, PS, I have a wife. You know, they, they had to start off with that. I just thought it was wild that it was, I was always attracting the exact same situation. Like no one ever was going to think of me real like that. So this is funny because during that time, you know, 18 to 24 is like, you know, your real prime time to understand and navigate throughout the world. Cause now you're like moving from a child to an adult. And I thought, well, fuck that. I'm not going to be a girlfriend if I'm always being asked to be the side girl. It's safer to be the side girl because I'll not really get hurt. Fair enough. I guess your sort of your reality kind of mimics what you're kind of like that whole like show me your friends i'll tell you who you are so if this is what you're getting all the time okay maybe i'll just for the minute just hold it but obviously you've 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 grown from that which is fantastic i, I think for for a lot of guys it's just accomplishing another feat under their belt uh racking up numbers you know wanting to satisfy this desire that they may have come across in 
um, a Pornhub tab or, or something like that. It's just, it's sickening and it's unfortunate. And I'm curious to know if like women were to flip the script and, and kind of like, you know, Hey, I'm married, but I would love to just like, I wonder how men would, I wonder how men would, would receive that. Yeah. So what is that? Why do guys look at sex as the trophy or the, you know, one thing of accomplishment? Porn, I'm going to say Pornhub and X and XX.com and bang bros. Like that is what the new age men are raised on. So they feel like what they see portrayed in porn equates to pleasure in the bedroom. So which part of porn? I think it's just the, the visuals, like the noises, the visuals, everything that is what makes porn just odd for, for me now. Well, I think porn, I mean, I know porn was created for men because it's always in their point of view, dominating over this woman. And she's apparently loving every single moment of it, which makes it so unreal. Is that how, how you grew up? Like thinking that any, any of these sexual actions means like up until complete was, domination over women. So I broke out when 18, 19 and up until maybe like 24, that's what my, I, I thought. So that when I was like 24, I did kind of hook up with a 37 year old and that was very life changing, but not, not only in the bedroom, but also just my worldview on how to properly court a woman. What did she teach you? Just foreplay, the ability to just send a text message to just start the whole flirting, right? Like foreplay actually starts well before the bedroom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. At least that's for her. That's what was, was her thing. She taught me how to properly like satisfy a woman orally. And that was like better than any Nat Geo video that you can come across. Cause that was like real tangible life world experience. She taught me about clitoral and vaginal types of orgasms for women. I didn't know where the male G-spot was. I didn't even know men had a G-spot until she showed me. That was interesting. Yeah. She just, she definitely like peeled back that mask that I had been wearing for a while that cemented in porn. Cause I remember the first time we hooked up, I tried to do some things and she was like, what are you doing? When you're rock hard and someone asks you that and you go soft, you're like, okay, maybe I'm doing this wrong. You know what I mean? So she definitely taught me things in the bedroom and then outside, outside the bedroom as well. She would challenge me on like, hey, I was thinking we could just hang out tonight. Do you mind picking up a couple of things from the grocery store? And I was like, all right, cool. She, we're going to cook. You know? She's like, no, you're going to make this. And I was like, okay, I'll try. And she's like, you'll figure it out. It was very interesting. And that lasted a year. Until like, you know, we decided it was too close to home Um, and we decided, you know what, let's maybe just part ways. We do communicate on our birthdays from time to time and I'll send her a text message from here or there. But during that time, it was, um, it was, yeah, it was unlearning the old behaviors and relearning, I guess, more appropriate behaviors. Why do guys find like an older woman and learn from her and are happy to learn from her? Mm -hmm. And then you might find a woman your age or younger and it's all like, let me show you. Let me show you. I'm so sorry to be going back to this, but I honestly think it's because of porn. For most guys, like I think it's just the young man accomplishing this magnificent feat that they feel in their head, as weird and twisted as that sounds. And then to not listen to a younger person that they're in bed with or whatever is kind of it's kind of foolish because maybe you should, because I'm quite confident they know their body better than. So I, I definitely had like a, an eye-opening experience with this older woman's. But leading up to that, I only knew the aggressive sexual behavior that I saw portrayed on in, in porn. Porn was your main education? Yeah. So it was a combination of what high school delivered as sex ed, which 
is never really sex ed. Um, I mean, at least my sex ed in, in high school never was that. It was always the the quintessential banana and condom and but never from the female's perspective. Again, male POV. So it was it was that the locker room talk with all the guys that would describe their sexual encounters. Guys just think like, oh, we're only here for the bedroom, which means we're not here for emotional support. We're not here to and that's, talk to you for anything else, right? So then so then, okay, let's break into hookup culture, right? Then that is your whole purpose. Let's say the whole relationship is, you know, a hundred percent just sexual. Now everything hinges on your performance. Doesn't that make it even worse? For me, it no, because again, a lot of my identity in my former life was cemented in the bedroom. If you hear girls talk about the size sure. or how long they last, and you know, Missy Elliott's one minute man did not help the male species. <laughs> she pretty much said she doesn't want a one minute man. But then as I got more comfortable with understanding the whole act of sex and the foreplay and leading up to it, the performance anxiety kind of dissipated. I, I don't personally identify with how I perform in the bedroom. If one night it goes too quickly, then so be it. Maybe I was super stressed or something I was in. I don't know. My masculinity isn't defined in the bedroom. My masculinity for me is defined by how I make my significant other feel. Am I raising them up to their full potential or am I hindering them from their growth? For me, it's, it's how you, it's how you treat your other person. It's bedroom is, is the last thing on my list. It's, you know, do we see the world in a similar way? Um, if we don't, can we agree to disagree? Do you challenge the way I think? Do you encourage my entrepreneurship spirits? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not cemented in how many bottles you buy in the club or how often I take you out. It's no, we can enjoy ourselves. We don't have to go out. It's just the little things that I used to never really realize mm -hmm. until now. So this is interesting to me how like a lot of men define their masculinity based on how they provide for a woman, whether that's satisfying her sexually or emotionally or through work. So what about you? How, how do you define yourself or do you at all define being a man without a woman or does the woman have to be an expression of how you are a good man? Wow. That's a great question. So for me, if I were, if I'm to reflect on my childhood, I would look at my grandparents mm -hmm. and my grandparent, my, my grandfather, rest his soul. He was like the quintessential gentleman. He would always ensure that before he ate, he would have a plate ready on the table for my grandmother and he would call her. They would enjoy their meal together. If they're heading out, he would always ensure that if she needed to put her shoes on, there was a chair at the door. Just knowing your partner, I guess, mm -hmm. is, is what really helps a man in a relationship. But then as I take a step back from that world and I self-reflect and come the, the image that I have of myself as a man, it's like I, I'm confident in who I am. I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, and I'm not insecure by either of them. I'm not intimidated by my future girlfriend and, and a handsome looking gentleman comes down. I'll probably make a joke. It's like, hey, you are super handsome. Can I take a photo of you? I'd find ways of not having my insecurities sort of creep up, but that is going to take some work for sure because of my behaviors in my past. Yeah, those are just examples of like gentlemanly behavior, which again is how she's reading you 
right? So I'm just curious to see why it's all hinged on that. Why does it matter what she thinks of you as a, as a reflection of who you really are? versus you just being who you are. Like, why do you have to make a joke? Or if there's like a, you know, good looking guy that comes by, why do you have to open the door for, for her? Why, why is there gentlemanly behavior anyway? I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just curious because I don't, I think women now don't really give a shit about ladylike behavior. That's not a thing. Whereas there is still gentlemanly behavior as a form of being a good man. You're right. They don't really care about, oh my gosh, she grabbed the door for me. That is just a quality that I want to ensure that I have. I want to have gentleman-like qualities and my significant other, I probably would be a reflection of them and they'd be a reflection of me. Kind of like when we're not together, you still see this person or you still see me. Again, it doesn't answer your question because um, I really don't know how to answer that. Because I, again, I'm now embarking on this journey of discovery and I was always fearful of being alone. So it always kind of jump into a relationship from one to the next to the next to the next, never really healing from the last one. So you're always taking your pain and securities into the next one and it becomes compounded to the point where you're damn near adult and you haven't settled down and you're kind of like, where do I fit? Do I not end up marrying, not having children? So that's sort of where I am right now. We talked about how you want to validate your role in her eyes. What about her for you? Does she have to be all of these things as your like, you well, know, I ideal just, prize? There's no trophy wives. If this individual has a strong sense of themselves, is confident in their abilities and is, isn't afraid to be vulnerable with me. Cause in my previous relationship, I was super vulnerable for me. It's, are they a good person? Do they share similar values? Do they have higher power, whether it's God, Allah, Muhammad, whatever it may be like, do they have sort of faith to go lean on when, uh, or their lives are sort of challenged? Do they have the same hustle as I do? Um, if we click, we click, I don't have a checklist that to me is it's impossible because it's kind of like your Amazon wish list. It racks up real quick. Is it that some guys avoid strong, independent woman. They themselves are not strong. They themselves are fearful of a strong companion because they don't know who they are. If you're not comfortable as a man with a strong woman, then sorry, like you need to do some more self-reflecting and don't think that you're ready for a strong woman, right? We can aspire to want all these things, but you have to do the work too. And that's where I'm in right now. I'm in that do the work phase because I know I want a queen. I want to be that king. You know what I mean? Like I want to protect, I want to build with this person but I know I got to do the work. So I'm ready for that. So you were talking a lot about the qualities that you need to be in order to, you know, to be a king or to have, have this perfect or ideal elevated type of relationship than the ones that you had in the past. Do you still believe that when you do find her, she needs you in some way? I'll probably need her more than she needs me. Let's be real. But then how do you validate yourself? Because you were saying like, you got to be all these things for her. Right. And that's, that's where this self-discovery mm -hmm. phase is going to do a lot of maybe in a year from now, when this podcast blows up and it's like all over, we'll have like a, a, a checkup and maybe my opinion will change, but I definitely need to, like you said, not get lost in having to fill someone else's check boxes, but check mine first. And that starts with just being a good human, <laughs> treating people right. The golden rule, right? Treat others as you want others to treat you. When you say the phrase, treat others the way you want to be treated yourself. This is how being a good human is regardless of gender. I feel like men 
do that for each other, right? They'll be like, you know, these are this, these are my people, you know, the I'm gonna help you as much as you'll help me. And there's, you know, this pretty strong bro code. Why do men treat women differently? What I have experienced is if I'm seeing a guy and I meet his friends and if we're arguing about something and his friends agree with me, now it's a problem because now there's a contradiction. I, if he disagrees with me now, that means he also disagrees with his friends. And, and now you can kind of see the, the complication. And then what will happen is he'll pull me aside and try to have the conversation again when it's just me and him mm. without, without his friends validating my point of view anymore. Why, why do men not want to listen to a woman's point of view or, you know, the same in the same equal way that they will listen to another man pride and ego probably yeah. they don't want to be men never well i assume men never want to be told that they're wrong they never men never want to be told no they never want to be told about themselves it's always and that to me isn't like i'm sorry for all the fellows that are listening that's not a real man to me if you can't disagree with your significant other and have your boys have your significant others back and for me i welcome that because if if I need to be fact-checked, I will humble myself, bite my tongue and be like, you were right. But that's mm -hmm. only because of the experiences that I've had. I think others, it's, it's a little different um, depending on the type of person that you're with, but definitely it's a shot at their ego and their pride. I had no issue with my ex calling me out on things. No issue, whether it's in public or in private. The majority of the times it would be in private. It, it would be you know a, a heated discussion, not an argument. It'd be a heated discussion but i i don't have an issue with that personally why do you think guys have an issue with that like the whole control your girl thing whatever it's, geez like back in like the 70s when chest hair was cool on advertising like that's probably where they have their ideology or or mindset of of what a relationship is like you know my way or the highway and that's 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 old that's an old way of thinking that's what negative thoughts do women have about themselves that you wish could change <laughs> i'm not really a fan of body shaming yourself if you're a, a voluptuous woman embrace it there's men out there that love voluptuous women and if you're not in, embrace that too like I, and i think it's compounded by how men would have treated them mm -hmm. you know what i mean like kind of what you outlined as as your past i i want to wrap up out of all the things we talked about what topics jumped out at you that you would like to invite another man to continue that conversation on the show? What motivates a man to cheat is what I want to know. I know I was influenced by hormones and several other factors at that time. But now as I, like I said, like what would have motivated my dad to go with this person and leave my mom with two children? And I think I'd like to know what other guys think the definition of masculinity is. Mm -hmm. And if it's if it's a combination of actions, behaviors, mannerisms, et cetera, because I myself am trying to figure that out.